Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We are in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you want to turn there in your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going for AC. Gets hot up here. You're like a burger under a heat lamp at McDonald's. <laughs> Anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Ushers will get you one right here. You can keep this if you don't have one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. Um, incredible portion of Scripture to help you to understand what's coming and to help you to be aware of the things that are going to take place on this earth once the church is gone. And you'll say, well, why do I really need to know that if we're gone? Um, because you need to warn people. That's your job. I've entitled the message, Post-Rapture. What takes place after the rapture of the church? It's no easy thing. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's the 70th week of Daniel. It's a time where God deals with Israel. It's a time that He pours out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. It is no cakewalk. Some people will say, well, the Great Tribulation is actually the last three and a half years. Uh, study the first three and a half. It ain't no cakewalk. You have over half the population dead in the first three and a half years. So it's not an easy thing. God does not want you to be there. God's done everything in His power to reveal His love to you, to offer you the gift of salvation. But those who reject it and say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus, they will be going through this time called the Great Tribulation. So we need to be warning people. We need to be telling about the love of God. That's why you're here. It's not for the business that you have. It's not for the power or the authority that you have. It's not for all the stuff that you have. Everything that you have, God wants you to use for His kingdom. If you're a very powerful CEO, then you will be able to reach other powerful CEOs for Jesus. If you're someone diagnosed with cancer, you will be able to reach other cancer victims for Jesus. God has put you in this world. You are pastors disguised as something else to share the love of God, to give the gospel out for people to be saved. Kings and priests, He made us. And your only duty down here is to share the gospel, to reduce the population of hell, to love one another, to be Christ's light, to be a reflection of Jesus in everything that you do and you say. And I pray that you've been growing. We're coming up on a new year. And it's a new opportunity to serve God more than ever I did this year. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to increase in Him. I want to increase in Him. My prayer every day is less of me and more of you, Lord. I get in the way. I'm doing a lot better, but I still get in the way. And I want to be totally surrendered to God that He could use me, fill me with the Holy Spirit, empower me to do His perfect will 
to be a light that shines bright for His glory so when men see my good works, they glorify the Father in heaven and not me. It means no good thing apart from Jesus Christ. I can't do anything on my own and really accomplish something. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to bring that on? Say, Lord, less of me. Fill me up afresh with the Holy Spirit. Use me powerfully. How cool is that? And there's those times in your life where you know it was God. So You just so know it. And you just praise Him. And you just watch Him do the impossible through you. You're like, man, that was good. And then you stop and you think, because it wasn't me. It was Him. But we're coming to a terrible time where the church will be removed and all hell's going to break loose on this earth. So let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. Paul, encouraging the Thessalonians, says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by the Spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who appears and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Can you say amen? And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, um, fill me right now afresh, Lord God, with your power. I don't, I don't want to get up here and speak. I want you to speak. And so, Lord, I need your help. I need you to open the hearts of your people to receive these truths that we would have a greater understanding that would be useful in our ministry of sharing the gospel. And so, Lord, would you speak to us? Give us ears to hear right now. The Holy Spirit speak to each one of us individually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whew. There's so much here. I, 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 I don't really know where to start. I don't know where to end. I, I almost feel like we're going to have to do a two-parter on this or a three-parter because there's so much to say. You, you need to understand the depths of what we just read. You need to understand how much God loves you. You need to understand that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But there's a judgment coming because He is a just God. And He's been patient. 
for thousands of years. But He's going to judge this world. He's going to judge a Christ-rejecting world. Now you need to understand that there are people in this world who just say, I don't want anything to do with God. That's good for you. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want what you say He's offering me. I'm going to do it my way. Well, your way will lead you to hell. I know that's offensive, but hopefully that will scare the hell out of you. Some people need that. The book of Revelation will scare that out of people. Because it's gnarly. The things that take place there, you don't want to be there. When I hear people tell me, they say, well, you know, if everything you're saying is true, Steve, when you guys all disappear, then I'll give my life to the Lord. What makes you think you will? You, can do, you won't do it right now when it's easy. And He sets the gift in front of you and says, take it, live, taste, and see. And if you won't do it when it's easy, what makes you think you're going to do it when it's tough? When the Antichrist rises, the Antichrist is a person that will be demon-possessed by Satan himself. And what makes you think you're going, to re, you're going to receive Jesus in that time when the Antichrist is going to say, take my mark if you want to eat or get medical attention or live? You know how many people are going to get in line? And we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Because, see, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. Oh, man, he's going to be GQ. Good looking, smooth talking. I'll tell you, man, he's, everybody's going to get in line to serve him. You know, you think of Satan, you think of, you know, horns and a pitchfork and a tail. He ain't coming like that. He's going to come as a beautiful, gorgeous-looking, smooth-talking, full of charisma, charismatic, and he's going to dupe millions of people. See, Satan comes disguised as an angel of light to deceive people. To make them think that, listen, if, I, if this is what you want, I will give that to you. But there's always strings attached. What Jesus has to offer you is free. Salvation. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. He paid a debt that He didn't owe a debt that you could never pay. And in His love for you, because sin entered into the world, because of His love for you, He came and did the impossible, the unthinkable, and He died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day, so that we could have salvation, eternal life. And so what we're going to see is, according to the Word of God, there's a church era there's, there's a gap between the 69th week of Daniel and the 70th week of Daniel. And parathetically inserted in between the 69th and the 70th week is the church of Jesus Christ. And that's been for about 2,000 years right now. You need to understand that the 70 weeks of Daniel deal with Israel, not the church. This is where people get messed up. The church never replaced Israel. Israel is not the church. 
Read the scriptures. This is what this is where I, I come to the place where I have to tell you, you must know your Bible. People come to me all the time. They say, well, how can I increase my faith? Well, the Bible says. Not me. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want to increase your faith? Know the Bible. Read your Bible. This is the truth of God. This book has never been wrong. Hello. Daniel predicted the empires, the world empires of importance that would rise and fall. And he was right to the T. There's been, this is the best seller in the world since the beginning of books. It's outsold everything. It's never been wrong. So when it tells me that this day is coming, I believe it. But I'll tell you what, if you don't know your Bible, you'll be blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And the enemy only has to get you off course by a little bit. If you set out from California to fly to Hawaii and you're only off one degree, it doesn't seem like much, right? But by the time you get out to where Hawaii is, you miss Hawaii altogether. Now, there are groups out there that use, I'll say they speak Christianese. They use Scripture out of the Bible, but their doctrine's off. And even if it's only off by a little bit, you'll miss heaven altogether. You have to rightly divide the world, the Word. You need a study to show yourself approved. See, one of the biggest dangers with the church today, we're in Laodicea. Lukewarm. The church is looking for, make me feel good. Let's, let's do some drama. Let's do some plays. Let's have more, you know, the light show, sound show. And that, you know, that stuff's great, but not every week. You got to teach the word. You got groups that don't want to teach the word. They want to take one verse every week and run with it. And, and, you know, those can be great messages, but you need to get through the word of God. That's why we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So important. There's people today that are saying that the church, I mean, telling the church that the Bible is not the Word of God, but that it contains the Word of God. Very dangerous. Because then they go forward to say, it contains the Word of God, and we will tell you what is the Word of God and what isn't the Word of God. Very dangerous. This book is the Word of God. See, when you start saying what is the Word and what isn't in this book, now you start picking and choosing what you want to believe. And we, we've seen churches embrace sin now in their churches because they, they just, you know, well, God is love and God understands my heart. Yeah, He understands your heart. It's wicked and deceitful above all things. <laughs> Who can know it? He can. <laughs> and you hear people say things, well, I know what the Bible says, but I feel... <clears throat> Deception. I know what the Bible says, but I think it says ah, deception. Well, I know what the Bible says, but you know what? I saw this guy on a video. I saw this YouTube thing. This one pastor was preaching this one thing, and he said something totally different from what the Bible said. Ah. 
I guess what I'm really trying to say to you guys is don't trust anything I say. But Acts 17.11, search the Scriptures daily to see if it's true. Is it true? Is what I'm saying true? And let me just say this, you know, there's coming a day really soon that God's taking us out of here. I think really soon. I don't know how you feel about it, but are you ready? He says, no man knows the day or the hour, but we know the times and the seasons. See, that's why we study stuff like this. We're not going to be there when the Antichrist is revealed. We're not going to be there for this judgment upon the world. So you say, well, why should we study it so we know how close we are? I mean, when we look around the world today, do you think we're close? Okay, two people. All right. Great. Do you guys think we're close? Yeah. Are you watching the sky ready to fly? So we're not supposed to, we don't know the day or the hour. We shouldn't be looking for the day. We're not to be naming days and hours because nobody knows. So when you hear somebody go, oh, it's going to happen on this day, you go, oh, great. Now it can't happen on that day because you said it. Because no man knows the day or the hour. And so we shouldn't be looking for the day, but we should be prepared for that day. And, and how do we prepare ourselves? Well, he says, be holy because I'm holy. Be pure because I'm pure. There should be a driving desire in all our hearts to be better than we were yesterday. Does that describe you? Now, he tells us here in these scriptures that the Thessalonians got duped. That's why he wrote 2 Thessalonians. Because somebody came along and spread rumors of something Paul said. And even history tells us that there was a false letter supposedly written by Paul that was brought to the Thessalonians that told them they were in the tribulation and to be looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ to set up His kingdom. And Paul's like, guys, that's not true. That can't happen. That can't happen until there's an apostasy, a falling away, and the son of perdition, the lawless one, the Antichrist, is revealed. And he, he, he reminds them that we, we have to be gathered to the Lord. God takes His church out. There's a falling away. An apostasy. It's, it's a departure from truth. That's already happening. Actually, it was happening in the early church. It was happening in the early church. Right in the first century, Jesus had to write seven letters to seven churches to say, hey guys, uh, you're doing some good stuff, but some of you need to get back on track. Apostasy. Falling away. Derailing. False doctrine. Already creeping into the church in the first century. And it's been slowly increasing throughout. And now we're in Laodicea, the last generation of the church before the coming of the Lord. And we're lukewarm. And you got churches that say they're Christians, but they don't believe this is the whole Word of God. you got churches that say, uh, we don't believe in virgin birth. We don't believe in uh, the resurrection. We don't believe in hell. Get out of the pulpit then. 
Because you're a deceiver. There's no such thing as annihilation. You're either for Jesus or not. And if you reject what he's offering, you will end up in hell. It's a real deal. This is the word of God. Now, with that said, there's been a lot of controversy over the years about the rapture of the church. And good, loving, godly Christians, some think that we're going through the tribulation or going through part of it. I don't believe that. I believe that the church will be taken out before the tribulation. But there are good Godly, loving people, Christians, that believe the church is going through it. And here's the answer why. Listen to me carefully. Because they don't take prophecy literally. If they take prophecy literally, then they would believe in the rapture happening before the tribulation, they would believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. What does that mean, imminent? That means He can come now. Paul, all through his writings, was looking for the Lord to come. Even when he talks about the actual rapture in, in, in Corinthians and in Thessalonians, when he mentions it, he always puts himself as we, which are alive and remain, will be caught up in the clouds with him. The dead in Christ will rise first, but we, he includes himself. He was looking for the glorious appearing of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, if you think the church is going to go through the tribulation, you can't say that. When, and, I, and I know people like that who think we're going through it, and I love them. And let me say this, you should never divide over that. I've seen too many people argue and divide. Satan uses everything he can to get us to fight and divide. And I've seen people leave churches because they can't agree of when the rapture is. Don't divide over those things. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. All through the Scriptures, we see Paul and the other disciples looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Actually, the two major things that Paul taught on was salvation. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins, and to be looking for His coming back. Now, when Jesus comes for the church, only the church is going to see Him. When Jesus comes at the second coming, every eye is going to see him. So we have scriptures in the Bible, Titus 2.13, it says, we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't say that if you think we're going through the tribulation because you're not looking for Jesus Christ, you're looking for Antichrist. Did you know there's not one verse in the Bible that says this has to happen or that has to happen before Jesus comes, you won't find it. You won't find it. And you won't find one verse in the Bible that puts the church in the tribulation. Study your Bible. Read it thoroughly from cover to cover. 
Look at Revelation 6 through 18, chapter 6 through chapter 18. You won't find the church in there anywhere. You'll find tribulation saints, but you won't find the church. And you've got to understand there's a difference between the Old Testament saints, the church, and the tribulation saints. The Old Testament saints are called the wife of Jehovah. The Father. They're married to the Father. The church is called the Bride of Christ. The believers in the tribulation are called tribulation saints. The believers in the church are told to live for Christ. The believers in the tribulation are told to die for Christ. There's a difference. You and I rule and reign with Jesus in the millennial kingdom reign. The tribulation saints, they serve Him night and day during the tribulation, during the millennial kingdom reign. There's a difference. Luke 21.36, when Jesus Himself is talking about the tribulation, He says, pray always that you're worthy to escape these things. That you're accounted worthy to escape these things. How can I be accounted worthy to escape the tribulation? Be in Christ Jesus. Revelation 3.10, when he's writing to the churches, he says to the church of Philadelphia, which had a tremendous love for him, he made this promise, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth. The tribulation. I will keep you from it. Paul, in his writings to the Thessalonians, he said in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, he said that we are to wait for the Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, whom the Father raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In chapter 5, he says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I could go on and on and on. You're a child of God. God loves you. Jesus wouldn't tell you husbands to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it if he was going to beat up your bride before the honeymoon. It doesn't make sense. It's not consistent with Jesus. In John 14, where we get the first uh, mention of the rapture by Jesus Himself, He says this, Jesus talking to His disciples, check this out. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Isn't that good news? That's Jesus giving us the first hint of the rapture. What does he say? He says, listen, guys, i got to take off. They weren't happy with that, but he, he also let them know that the purpose of him leaving was to send the Holy Spirit. So it would be, it's so much better for us to have Jesus Christ dwelling in us. Because having Jesus Christ dwelling in us means that I don't have to try to find him in Jerusalem with thousands of people surrounding him and, and just you know 
all over him. I'll never make it to him. So he says, listen, I'm going to go away. If you believe in me and trust and accept what I'm offering you, I will place my spirit. You will have the spirit of Christ Jesus in you and the spirit will guide you and teach you all things. You will always have access. You'll be able to go boldly before the throne of grace. Nothing's going to hinder you from doing that anytime, anywhere. I'm there for you. Yeah, praise God. Oh, good. We got some Pentecostals here. Finally. Just get excited. And so he says, listen, um, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in me, if you believe in God, you believe in me too. I go to prepare a place for you. And where I am, I will bring you to myself. That's the rapture. He's going to come and descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the sound of trump, the trump of God. And he's going to catch us up where he's going to be in the clouds and he's going to the dead in Christ shall rise first. What does that mean? That means all those that died in Christ Jesus. He tells us in Timothy absent from the body present with the Lord. Right. So as soon as a loved one in Jesus Christ, a church member dies in Christ Jesus, their spirit, their soul goes directly to the Lord. Their body stays in the ground. Right. Because this is what we've been fighting all our life. Right. The flesh. It wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh that you don't do the things you want to and the stuff you want to do, you're not doing. So when we die, the good stuff goes up, the bad stuff hits the ground and people bury their loved ones, they cremate them. But there's going to come a time, God said, when that body will be raised immortally, incorruptibly and be rejoined to the saints that are already in heaven. So when the Lord shouts, He comes to the clouds with your loved ones who've already died. And all of a sudden, all these bodies are going to come out of the grave and out of the ocean. Boom. And go right back to the person that it was from. And then we, which are alive and remain, will be caught up in the clouds. And then He, he throws in, so comfort one another with these words. I'm kind of looking forward to the rapture. I'm not really into the second, the, the dying twice, right? Or dying once. There's an old saying, if you're, if you're born again, you're born twice, die once. If, if you're not born again, you're born once and you die twice. There's a physical death and a spiritual death. I'm, I, I would kind of like to have the Lord just come and I never experienced that death. Right? And just to be transformed and have this body just like, you, and I'll tell you what, your looks are going to improve. You'll have that washboard stomach you never had, guys. Right now, I got a washboard stomach with a little laundry on top. I'm, I'm just, I'm being, I'm kidding, but we're going to look good. We're going to look probably in our 30s. Jesus' ministry was from 30 to 33. Every time an angel appears, they're around the age appearance of a 30-year-old. So I think we'll be 30-something. That's not a TV show. So us older people will look better and, and you younger people will grow up. And guess what? We won't be able to sin. We won't have any pain. There won't be any sorrow. There won't be any tears. 
All things will become new. And Jesus will be blowing our minds throughout all eternity. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I often tell those who think that we're going through the tribulation, I go think it through. If Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and he's been doing that for 2,000 years, how much better is that place than this place that he made in six days? Hello. But if you believe the church is going through the tribulation, you will never get to see that place that he's gone to prepare a place for you. Why? Think it through. If you think the church is going through the tribulation and that Jesus is going to come back at his second coming where every eye sees, the rapture only the church sees. But if you believe the church is going through the tribulation, then you won't see Jesus until every eye sees him, the second coming when he comes in the clouds. And that if you believe we're going through the tribulation, then you believe that at that time when he comes to the clouds, he raptures the church up to where he's at in the clouds, and then the church just comes right back down with him as he sets down on the Mount of Olives and he deals with the wicked. And then he sets up his kingdom for a thousand year millennial kingdom reign. And then at the end of that, the great white throne judgment, and he wipes out the heavens and the earth. You never got to see what he prepared for you. See, it doesn't make sense. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying that if you don't believe the church is going to be raptured out before the tribulation is because you don't believe all prophecy is literal. That's the only way you can come up with that. We see in um, verse 3 talks about a falling away. An apostasy. A total falling away. I, I think the church is getting so far from the truth these days that they're just they're welcoming sin into their churches because they want they want the numbers. And that's really sad. You remember when Jesus said some really hard things for the multitudes to understand, and they all walked away, never to come back. I mean, thousands left. And he looked at the 12, and he said, you guys going too? <laughs> and Peter goes, where are we going to go? Who else has the words of life? I mean, come on. Good job, Peter. That was one of, one of his high moments. But what did that tell you? The creator of the universe wasn't interested in quantity, but quality. He's not interested in having masses who compromise, but a few that won't. Is there compromise in your life? Or do you love Jesus so much that you wouldn't want to do anything to break his heart? Think about this. When the church is taken out, what's that leave on earth? An apostate church. Right? Right? I mean, come on, think this through. 
when the church is taken out, do you think there'll be church next Sunday on earth? Yeah. In full swing. Because why? Because when tragedies happen, people get religion. Don't they? How many times have we witnessed it on this, this island? Hurricanes, floodings, storms. Things happening in the world. All of a sudden, poof, churches are packed. Remember when 9-11 happened? That was like we just had started the church. 9-11 happened. All of a sudden, we're meeting with, with literally hundreds of people at the park from all denominations wanting to know what's going on and praying. Churches packed out. We thought we were going to have to go to a third service. But within two weeks, everybody calmed down and it was back to business as usual and they didn't really need Jesus that much anymore. Same thing happened when we had the flood. Same thing happened when COVID hit. You know how many people are coming up to me going, are we in the tribulation? I'm like, no, but we're close. And people wanted answers. And services were packed, but then after a year, we kind of started going back a little bit to normal. People don't need Jesus anymore. They needed him then. And the question is, how much do you need Jesus now? See, think about this. When, when the church is taken out, we have like, what, 8 billion people on the planet? Let's highball it and say 2 billion are Christians. Do you think that's going to blow the world's mind when 2 billion of us disappear? Not to mention all the train wrecks and plane wrecks from Christians that were flying planes, driving cars. And then, Revelation 4 and 5, we're in heaven. And the church witnesses the title deed to the earth being handed from the Father to the Son with the seven seals on it. And the seals are opened, and in the seal judgment, another quarter of the population of the world is wiped out. So now we're down to 4.5 billion. And then the trumpet judgments come. And by the time the trumpet judgments are done, it says another third of the population of the world is destroyed. And now we're down to 3 billion people. More than half the people are gone. And then we see in the bold judgments a great earthquake like never seen before that drops everything worldwide except for Israel. And millions will be dead. Crazy. I am so out of time. I didn't even get to where I was going to go. But that's why I said it's probably going to be a two-parter or a three-parter. Because you guys need to know this stuff. And the reason we need to know it, I know we're not going to be here for the tribulation. 
I know we're not going to be here for the revealing of the Antichrist. I know we're not going to see those judgments. We will be gone. But, but the, the interesting thing I find is that I want you to know this so well so you understand how close we are to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're seeing everything get into place. And we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about current events. We'll talk about world events. We'll get a little political because it talks about the Antichrist being a politician. And somebody might say, oh, you're getting too political. No, I'm getting biblical. And these things that we see going on around the world are as we see it all formed for a one world rule, a one world military, a one world currency, a one world health department. We know that it's time to look up because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming soon. The one world rule he tells us is something that takes place during the tribulation set up by the Antichrist. And the world is already getting all those things in a position right now. We'll talk about it next week. Let me read you something real quick. I, I made a copy of this. and The Belgium Prime Minister Paul Henry from before, from past. This is what he said. We don't want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of this economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and whether he be God or the devil, we'll receive him. I believe the Antichrist is alive right now. That's my opinion. Not, it's not doctrine. Okay, just saying. John said in his day, there's already many Antichrists, but there's going to be one that's the Antichrist, and there is the spirit of Antichrist moving at large today. So I guess, let me close with this. Do you know Jesus? That's really all that matters right now. Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Have you made that commitment between you and the Creator? If you haven't, do it now. Don't leave home without Him. Because He could come at any moment. And you'd be left behind. You say, well, I'll do it then. Well, it says in the Scripture, we'll look at it next week, that when we're taken out, then God will send a strong delusion to those who would not believe the truth, but believe the lie, the lie. So, so if you don't accept Jesus right now, does that mean if you enter into the tribulation that you're going to be given a strong delusion that you'll believe a lie? That's a scary verse. Let's just settle your situation right now. Let's just get you to accept Jesus Christ into your heart right now. Quit messing around. Quit playing games. And just write this. Let's, let's all bow our hearts right now. If this is you, pray this in your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you're who you are. I believe you're the creator of everything. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and Savior. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe only you can save. 
and I pray that you would save me now. Save me, Jesus. If you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. And for the rest of us, Lord, I just lift up the people here right now that you would pour out your Spirit on them, that they would move in such mighty power in your name and have so much love and joy and excitement in their life because they're serving you that it's contagious. Lord, give them divine appointments this week. Encourage them. Fill them afresh to overflowing to reach the people that you've put in front of them. Lord, bless them and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.